Welcome to Imagine With Us podcast with Rabbi Michael Lerner and Kat Zavis. We're excited to bring you our first episode in which we discuss how it is that over 70 million people voted for a candidate that so many more people deem to be both corrupt and frighteningly dangerous. How can we understand the lure of hate-filled politics beyond the narrow analysis that all his supporters are racist or stupid and respond to this moment with empathy, revolutionary love, and justice so we can build a future that embraces us all. There's a lot of people who are really hurting that so many people would vote for a president who's enacted policies that many people deem deeply troubling. Well, I hate a lot of his policies, and yet I understand why he has attracted a lot of people. And there's a, a sector of them that are certainly attracted because they feel strongly about abortion. And there's a sector about them that is fearful of losing their power. So when you say losing their power, do you mean their sense of power over other people, like the hierarchy of the caste system, if you will, in our country? Is that what you're referring to? Well, I'm referring in that moment, I was referring to the class differentiation and because a sector of the people who are with him are people who are concerned about preserving capitalism and fearful that anybody who is a Democrat is going to weaken the hold of the ruling elites on them. Okay. But there's also a sector of people who are who feel strongly about the America that they've known in the past mm-hmm. being taken over by foreigners and being transformed, even though they forget that they themselves were right. their By particular were, foreigners. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But, and, they, and usually that means non-white people. Right. And they're scared of it. They don't want to lose what felt like a secure society for them. So and, this gets partly to the question around the caste, if you will, the caste system that I was just speaking about, right? That there's a certain sector, particularly of white America, that feels that they were deserving of having the American dream and they're watching it slip through their fingers and the Republicans and Trump are blaming refugees and immigrants and people of color and that's part of what you're speaking to here, correct? Yes, absolutely. And that's certainly a part of it. But there's another part that isn't about the specific policies that they're hoping will continue under another four years of Trump. It's that there's a significant section of the Trump voters are people who are voting against the left rather than for the for the right. Or against the Democrats. Against the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Right. They right. feel put down by people in the liberal and progressive world. And they have a lot of reason to feel that way. Because for a very long time, they have encountered people who are liberal and progressive who do look down upon them. And they, and, still, they still encounter that. To this very moment, yes, <laughs> and believe that these people are, that anybody who is not on our side is either racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, anti-Semitic, or stupid. And that last one about stupid is really one that hurts them most because many of them feel that way about themselves. Or they fear that. They, they fear they, that. They take in that judgment as if it's the truth. Because they've learned Starting from their earliest childhood, their parents have absorbed the ideology, the self-justification of a class-stratified society. And that self-justification is you live in a meritocracy, a society which is governed by merit. And if you're not more successful in some way or other, 
it's because you are a failure because something you've done either because you're not you haven't worked hard enough or you're not smart enough this of course is a huge lie that the system puts forward in order to justify the vast inequalities of wealth in the society but it hurts for a lot of people. It hurts because they don't see it as that. And the liberal and progressive world has never taken on this issue of right. the, the class distribution of money and power in the society and the non-availability for most people of an ability to move up. There are a tiny little percentage of people who move up in the society and they are then held up to everybody else as saying, see, you could have done it if you were smarter right, and worked, worked right, harder. Right. And even though in the work that I did as a psychotherapist with the director of the Institute for Labor and Mental Health, in which we uh, studied the psychodynamics of American working people, we heard over and over again stories of people who are working tremendously hard. And we also saw the statistics that showed that the, the IQ of people in the lowest 20% of population was distributed you roughly the economic, same. Economic, economic percentage, right? Yeah, were the same as the IQs of people in the top 20%. So in other words, one's intelligence has nothing to do where, obviously, where one falls on an economic class structure. Right. Now, it is true that when you're in jobs that don't give you very much opportunity to use your intelligence, that... Or creativity. Or, or... Yeah, exactly. Then then that starts, A, you start to feel like you are deserving of that, but B, also your creativity starts to diminish slightly because you're not being pushed into situations where you can use your intelligence and creativity. Well, there's that, another thing that happens. So when you're in a job that's not stimulating intellectually, where you don't feel valued, it also makes you feel less worthy and less that you're not contributing, that you're not important, that you're just a cog in the wheel. And what I've read in different books and also from some of your work too, is that when people are in those situations, that they then feel resentful of people, and it's often people in the left, in the liberal progressive left, in academia and other places where they are in jobs that are meaningful and that also pay them well, that they then be, are demeaning to people who are in these jobs that don't have meaning and so when you're in a job where you don't have meaning and it's not giving you a sense of purpose in your life then you at least want as you've talked about the material goodies you at least want the economic security mm -hmm. and if you get that economic security then you might be willing to put up with this meaningless job but over the past what 20 years or so those material goodies have been slowly been taken away from working class people and people in jobs that don't provide meaning even if they provided them in the past a solid, comfortable life where they trusted they could put their kids in college and have a home and, and all of that and is falling apart. They want to know why that's happening. And the left says it's happening because they say this indirectly, but nevertheless, they say, you're not smart enough. You didn't work hard enough. You're not like us. We in the upper middle class are more successful than you because we're better than you. The way that that gets conveyed is not by saying those words, but it's saying you're a racist, you're a sexist, you're a homophobe, you're a xenophobe, you're an anti-Semite, etc. Or, or you're we live in a meritocracy, and, and if you're not making it, it's because something's so, wrong well, with you or, you know, you didn't make the cut. Exactly, and that makes people feel terrible about themselves and wanting to be part of some movement that is caring about them, that says, hey, you are okay. You are okay. 
who's not okay are the people who are putting these judgments on you. Right. So you never hear from uh, the liberal or progressive world any systematic assault on the fantasy of meritocracy. So what you hear is, if you're in one of the previously identified identity groups that have a story, a legitimate story, to be sure, of how they've been oppressed in the society, then the liberal and progressive world will hold you up and say, we want to make sure that things are fairer for you. And that's a wonderful thing about the liberal and progressive world. Right. I'm really glad that they're doing that. But, and, they, but they do it only in very small ways. They're trying to like soften the harshness and the inequalities of the capitalist system. Right. But they're not trying to actually meaningfully transform it. No, not at all. And, and, and they uphold it and buttress it again yeah, and again and again. Right. But then in the last several years, actually at least since 2016, but really much for a much longer period, the liberals and progressives are saying, if you're white or if you're a man, then you're suspect. There's something wrong with you because all men are sexist and all whites are racist or at least suspect of being racist and suspect of being sexist. And you, wanna, you have to prove that you're okay. Well, for many people in this society, the invitation from the left of, okay, now prove to me that you're okay, is not something that is going to make them attracted. So this dynamic of feeling disrespected is a major part of why people will hold on to a Trump, even though Trump, in so many ways, ethically disgusting. And many of the people who vote for him will acknowledge he is ethically <laughs> disgusting. Ethically right. disgusting. Wanna... And nevertheless, feel like, yeah, but he's our guy. He sees me as okay. He's not putting me down in the way that... Well, he, right. I mean, he explicitly says, I care about you. You're not stupid. You're smart. He's specifically speaking to that broken, hurt place in people. Mm -hmm. But I also want to speak to something else that we've spoken about that you've written about and that I teach in the training, which is this, what the right offers to people to appease that hurt. And it's not just a candidate who's strong and standing for something, even if it's disgusting, but it's also a community of white lives matter, of all lives matter. It's a community of care. And they do that partly by saying this pain that you're experiencing, this pain by being in this capitalist system is because other people are trying to step ahead of you in line. They're trying to get ahead of you and it's their fault. And the finger is pointed at over the course of history, as we've talked about, right? Women, feminists, African-Americans, people of color, immigrants, at this point, all liberals, Gays including by gays and lesbians and queer people. And now at this point, everyone in the Democratic Party, because Biden is now a socialist. And it's their fault uh -huh. that you're in so much pain because they're trying to take away your rights. And they make rights uh, as if it's a limited pie, as if everyone actually couldn't have rights. Only certain people are able to. And it's a way of, it seems to me, perpetuating and playing into the caste system that was created at the beginning you know, when slate, when they were trying to make sure that white task slave masters would have power over the black slaves because they were starting to unionize and create solidarity with each other in a class structure. This is their way of we're going to put you above them and it's their fault and you're better than them. It's soothed, right? It has soothed some of that pain. 
I think it's also, before there was a class struggle in this country, there was just the bringing of the enslaving of people runs counter to every decent human instinct inside. And so people Mm. who have benefited from that system often have to justify it to themselves by demeaning the people that they are oppressing. We saw that, I mean, all of the, I mean, a a good part of the racism comes from the need to not see other people that you're hurting as real people, as real human beings. And I mean, we saw that all through the slavery and it continues right up till this moment where a significant section of people who vote for Trump actually don't see black people or people of color or gays and lesbians as really equal human beings, you know, and many don't see them as human beings at all. They have behind their mind the old-fashioned conditioning of, oh yeah, well, these people are really animals. They don't deserve. And so uh, that disgusting element is also in there for for some, not for all, but for some of them. It's not easy to convince a person to see another human being and not recognize their humanity. So it takes a whole system. And so the slavery system uh, was very efficient in creating that ideology. And then after slavery was uh, officially eliminated, but then you had the whole Jim Crow uh, period of basically reestablishing a form of uh, slavery for African-Americans, right up until the 1960s. So. When you have the press and movies and media yeah. and everything playing into it. I want to emphasize something you just said that I think is really important, which is the way in which the dehumanization of the other African-Americans in particular we're speaking to in this moment is a systemic dehumanization that people are end up being caught in, like end up being brainwashed into and that the way to unravel racism really has to be systemic and has to be a collective action of re-education and re-understanding. Because one of the things that's happened, I think, is that when we point the finger at individuals and say, you're racist, first of all, people get very defensive. And so most people aren't going to respond well to that. But it also plays into the capitalist solution of, oh, well, if, if just these businesses aren't racist, And if just you aren't racist, then everything will be fine. And it doesn't challenge at all the systemic structures of racism that keep in place not only racism, but also classism, which tends to fall disproportionately on people of color. Yes. The problem that we have is is that while the left is good at saying what you just said, it's not so good at simultaneously saying, but this system is also against you. It works against your interests and your needs and is really destructive to your own sense of value and self. Thank you for joining us for our first of many episodes to come. Please follow and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, and share this with your friends. You can become engaged with our work and learn more about us at tikkun, T-I-K-K-U-N.org, and spiritualprogressives.org. We'd love to hear from you. To reach us, email cat at spiritualprogressives.org with the subject heading, Imagine With Us. You can buy Rabbi Lerner's book, Revolutionary Love, at tikkun.org slash revlove. And special thanks goes out to Emma's Revolution for their amazing music. You can hear more of their music at emmasrevolution.com.